This is my special guest speaker, um, Melissa Harley. She's actually the reasons, reason why I have a master's in outdoor education because we were talking. She teaches at Holland Seventh-day Adventist School. She's taught there for nine years. So she was there when I came and we instantly became really good friends. And um, she talked about how she had a master's in outdoor education. I said, what is that? That sounds awesome. And she told me about the adventures she went on, like on a boat for how long? Two weeks. Two weeks. And then what else? You went on a dig? Um, on a three-week geology tour out west. And what else did you do as a cool trip? Um, we did a four-day um, adventure-based counseling trip in Tennessee where one day was whitewater rafting, another was backpacking, uh, rock climbing, and caving. And yeah, I never spent the night in a cave before. She slept in a cave. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> they bought a five-gallon pail into the cave and had to take the five-gallon pail out of the cave. <laughs> so I said, wow, that sounds like so much fun. And then I did the master's, and I didn't get to do any of those things. Because <laughs> the program has slightly changed with new leadership, and they did it shorter. So you now only there for two to four weeks. And she was there for nine or ten weeks, like the whole entire summer. So the program had slightly changed. But when she told me about all the adventures, that is why I want that master's. And then I went down there and said, no, this master's is actually biblical. It's sound. It's what we all need to have education in. So she's been teaching for three years in Tennessee. She taught one year overseas as a student missionary in Panape. And she's an extremely creative teacher. And you will fall in love with her and probably say she should just finish the seminar. <laughs> so please give a warm welcome to Melissa Harley. Thank you. Um, as Miss Boothby, as I call her, said, um, I teach children. That's what I'm used to. So standing up in front of a group of adults is way out of my comfort zone. Um, so if it, it's going to help me, and if you guys don't mind, I'm kind of going to talk to you, and, and I've kind of planned activities as if you were my class, just to give you ideas of stuff that I do in my classroom. Um, so Miss I don't know if I should call you Miss Boothby. That's what I'm used to calling We're her from school, but Angie has asked me to present some language arts ideas for um, nature activities. So um, I don't know you guys at all. I'm sure that you've gotten to know each other over the past two days, but we're going to play a little game um, to get to know each other, and it's, it's an icebreaker, and it's called Have You Ever? And what you're going to do is you're going to get up out of your seat, um, and you're going to walk around and ask people the question, have you ever, and there's different boxes. It's kind of like bingo. Um, have you ever gone hiking? I'm sure lots of people in this room, if you're here, you like nature, you've probably gone hiking. Um, so you can have a person, if they said yes to have you gone hiking, have them sign their name in that box. Um, you can only use the same person twice, though. So once you have the same person for two boxes, you need to move on and find somebody else um, who has done... Um, have you ever climbed a tree or built a tree fort? That's another one, okay? Now, some of these on here are really challenging, so there might only be one person in this room who has actually done that. Um, this is a fun icebreaker that I use. Um, I've used it at Lyft, which is our seventh um, and eighth grade um, time up at Camp Asable. In the conference, we invite the kind of the teenage group um, to go up there, and that age group is kind of, it's, it's hard to get them to interact sometimes, so having an icebreaker like this is helpful. So let's um, get started on this activity. The first person to get all of the boxes filled is the winner. 
So if you guys don't mind, just take one and pass it down, and you can take a writing utensil. And normally I would have a little prize for the students, but I didn't bring prizes for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had one candy bar at home that I thought of bringing, and then I didn't. <laughs> I have, yes. <laughs> You're supposed to fill them all up. You, yeah, ask them a specific one. And then if they haven't, ask them another one. Yeah. I have. I have gone snorkeling. I haven't done scuba diving, though. Austin Lawrence? Oh, I did that. Yeah. Robert How about said, trust me, trust me, I know where we're going. That's funny. Famous oh. last words, yeah. trust me, huh? I had a very interesting comment said to me, it's like, wow, I had to go back into my childhood to remember if I had done any of these things. And she said, that's kind of sad because I should have been still doing these things. Um, so just an interesting note there. So raise your hand if you learned something new about somebody today. Good. Um, that's the point of this activity, to kind of think about um, what you've done in nature and some things that you might want to do or have your kids experience that you didn't get to experience. Um, I have been privileged to go on a lot of adventures in nature. Um, some of them were through my master's in outdoor education. Some of them were um, with my lovely friend Angie, and some were just on my own. Um, and everywhere I go, I like to keep a journal of my adventures. Um, so nature journaling is one of my favorite things to do. Also kind of travel journaling. And um, I also have a camping journal. Um, you can get these at different stores or online. This kind of is an abbreviated journal where it just has the place, uh, the weather, the people you went with, um, what you enjoyed the most. So this is a very, if you don't like to write much, this is a really easy one that just keeps track of um, places that you've been, national parks or campsites, um, things like that. Um, here's one that I had um, students design at, I think it was Lyft or um, Outdoor Education, one of the two, um, where you just take a piece of cardstock and fold it in half, and inside you can just put um, some sheets of regular paper. We actually did the game that we just did um, for the first day, and then there was some scripture verses from, um, from the Bible about nature, and then I had the kids do a little journaling about that. There's some blank paper. Uh, for when we go on nature walks, to so just do some sketches. Um, there is, in the middle, a piece of watercolor paper for them to do some painting. We usually like to go down by the stream and actually take water from the creek and um, find something from nature to draw and paint. Um, hopefully we'll have time to do a little bit of that today. I'm not sure we'll have to keep an eye on the time, but this is something that students or um, your children or you can create on your own. I made this one, and I haven't written in it much, but... Um, I, I do enjoy the art part of it. And then you just clip from a magazine? Yeah, just this is a collage on the front and the back. Yep, just collect. I like to collect magazines, and people give me calendars and things like that for my classroom. Another kind of um, journaling that I like to do is photo journaling. Uh, when I go places, I take pictures of the places I've been, and you can do these um, digitally, or you can print the pictures and um, just scrapbook them. This is some of the pictures that I've taken of nature. Um, so you can just do this on the computer. I don't remember which program I use. Peekaboo, but there's Shutterfly. There's a lot of different options for that. There's also a way that kids can publish a book. Do you remember? It's, what's it called? My student publishers. If you just 
Google student published books, um, they send you these white pieces of paper like that would go into the book directly. And it has like a square box on the top and then lines underneath and they can publish their own book and actually be published and it's not too expensive. Um, yeah. And that's really cool. So you could just put photos there and then they write about their photos or they could do the drawings themselves. That's a good idea. I had one I should have brought. I, have one <laughs> I didn't even think of it. Um, this is one that I um, took to Africa with me. I went on uh, two trips to Africa on a mission trip with my dad and his high school group. I was a chaperone for teenagers, which is my least favorite thing to do, other than teaching adults. Um, it's so scary. Teenagers are so scary to me. But um, I survived. And the second time I went back to Africa was um, just on my own for three weeks. I enjoy traveling in the summers when I'm not teaching. And I had inside it, I had kids um, from the school that I was volunteering at draw me pictures and then write the words in Swahili so I could learn their language. Um, so they did some awesome drawings. They had never um, used any kind of art utensils at all. They just had a pencil, and, and sadly, they sharpened the pencil with a razor blade, and they kind of passed it around. They don't have pencil sharpeners, but they had never used colored pencils, crayons, paint, and I brought a whole suitcase full of it, and I just put it all out in their classroom, and they loved it. Um, there's something really um, awesome about uh, letting kids use their creativity, especially if they've never tried it before. And I didn't even give them pictures to look at. They were just, from their imagination, creating the beauty that God has put in nature all around them. And in Africa, they're surrounded by it. Um, unfortunately, our kids in today's society um, are so overwhelmed with technology that hardly ever do they go out on their own unless they're encouraged to. So that's one of the things that I like to do in my classroom is intentionally get the students outside on purpose. Um, I have a book here um, that I was looking through yesterday. And I won't read the whole thing to you, but it's about a boy who grew up on a farm. And it's talking about all the places that, yes. It's called All the Places to Love by Patricia McLaughlin. And it basically talks about all the places that the people in his family love. Um, there's the meadow that the mom loves, and she carries him when he's a baby through the meadow on her shoulders. And there's the field that the papa loves because he plows it and plants um, the seeds. And there's the, the stream that the grandma loves. And so it just goes through about all the family members and their places outdoors that they love, and I just think it's kind of sad that kids in our culture often don't have that experience. I grew up in the country, and I know Angie grew up in the country, and I wouldn't trade that for anything, but a lot of kids don't have that privilege. And so we need to specifically get them outside, even if it's just under a tree in the middle of the city, and see what they can find under that tree, um, see what they can observe. Um, along with the observation of nature, I like to have in my classroom what I call the book of nature. And of course, we know that the Bible is obviously the first book that we should read. But the book of nature um, contains so much wisdom for us to learn about God. And I have my book of nature here. And there are some special items that I have inside. So I'll have the kids come up. And can I get a volunteer? Because we'll just demonstrate this. Yes, come on up. So I'm going to open the lid to the book of nature. And she's just going to pick an item. 
She's not going to tell us what it is. She's going to describe it for you using words, but she can't say what that is. It's kind of like the game Taboo, if you've ever played that. You can't say the actual word. I'm not going to give you a list of words you can't say. But um, And if you think you know what it is, just raise your hand or just shout it out if you think you know what it is. So you can pick anything in there and just describe it with words. Well, I picked something right off and then decided I don't know how to explain that. Okay, so outside shell insect um, no longer there um, Fossilized cicadas, something that's Yes. Aha. Okay, she guessed it correctly. So she gets to come up and do our next one. A cicada shell. I'm sure you guys have seen these. Sometimes people like to stick them to themselves as a little pet. My students like to do that. Or it can be a sentence. It can be a sentence. Just as long as they don't say. Exactly. Okay. Um, this is, uh, can I say... That, yeah. it, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> this is the home that birds make for their little ones. And they, yeah. Oh, lots of people got and it. And then they put these things in them that oh. crack open and... Yeah. yeah. Did you get it? You want to give your turn to someone else? Do you want to come up? <laughs> Good job. That's not fair. <laughs> She's sharing. This is good. Oh, thank you. These things are found on the beach, Shells. and they're in the sky. Starfish. Star oh, good job. You want to come on up? This is a thing that I have always admired for its beauty. I, I just think it's so beautiful. It has orange and black and white. Yes. Good job. <laughs> All right. <laughs> come on up. We'll do two more. But this is kind of a cool activity. You could have this box in your home or your classroom, and um, the, the kids could find stuff and put in it and try to describe them to you, or you could put something new in it every day, kind of as a, um, a fun something to look forward to. This is an um, item that crawls in the ground. It's something they shed. Shed, you know, they shed as they grow. Snakes. Snakes. Yep, good job. All right, I don't know who got it first. Someone over here. All right, this is our last one. Make it a good one. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, some people might say it's worth money when you find it on the beach. Oh, good job. Now, raise your hand if it was easier to guess if you had already seen the items in the box. Once you see them, it's easier. So sometimes I like to pass it around to my students. They can kind of look. It's kind of like a memory game. And then I close it, and then I pick one thing that's inside and see if they can guess it. So there's different things you can do with the Book of Nature. Um, these are pretty easily found at any craft store, um, TJ Maxx or Hobby Lobby or Michael's. Um, so they're, they come in different sizes also. Um, all right, so I wanted to play another game with you. I like activities that get my students up and out of their seats. 
Um, and since today is kind of yucky out, we're not going to go outside, unfortunately. But I brought the beauty of nature inside. You can see along the wall I have different pictures. Uh, these are just calendar pictures that I cut out of some of the supplies. And there are eight pictures around the room. And I want you to look at them and think about which one you think is the most beautiful. And once you have picked the one that you think is the most beautiful, I want you to go stand beside that picture. We're going to start back here at this picture because it looks like only two people chose it. I think that's the smallest group. I want you guys to tell me why you think this one is the most beautiful. To me, it reminded me of a, I took my family to Sedona, Arizona over Christmas and the red and the rocks and everything. It looked kind of like that. We did a lot of hiking and reminded me of a vacation I just went on. Neat. We've also vacationed in areas like this a lot um, while driving to California. And um, and just the way that the rocks are formed and trying to imagine what what made them get that way and just that whole, I mean, the the shape of them is so, I mean, imagination inspiring, I guess. Mm -hmm. And to see the different layers and stuff is really something that you can, I could study for a while. Yeah. And the sunlight coming through the rocks, too, is very beautiful. All right. Thank you for sharing. Okay, we'll go to the next one. This is the one I would have chosen. Uh, does anybody want to share why you chose this picture? The water is so clear, crystal clear and pristine and azure. We just did the book, Pathways book, Summer of the Sharks, and it reminds me of Sally Stride and the Elushra. Anyway, it's just so beautiful. And other places I've been to, too. I never knew that water truly was that clear until I went to Hawaii a year ago and to actually see the clear ocean and the perfect weather and all of the colorful fish, it was amazing. Anybody else? Okay, moving on to the waterfall. Does anybody here want to share why you picked this one? I picked it because it's my favorite time of year. It looks like spring to me, but I've always gone to the falls, and I like to listen to the falls. And when I went to visit the falls, it was a laughing, laughing fish falls. Listen to the UP anyway. We had to hike way back, but it was always in the green. And I like that, and that's my favorite time of year. And I love to listen to the falls talk to me. That's why I go, even along the rivers, to hear the rippling. Something right, calming to about water. To be calm, yeah. Peaceful. yeah. Thank you. Anybody else want to share? Okay. I have to agree with the calming part of the waterfalls. And also, it's, waterfalls are very powerful, mm -hmm. but yet very calming at the same time. And I love the trees. I love trees. <laughs> have you ever noticed that sometimes it gets a little louder as it hits the rocks and it's, it reminds me of Don's voice back and forth. But anyway. Yeah. Very good. All right, we have a picture of a tree, a very big tree it looks like. Anybody want to share why you chose this one? Well, I live out in the woods, and we have a UTV, so we go right, driving around a lot. And when you, like, in the first thing in the morning, you see the sunshine, the rays kind of beaming through the trees. It just reminds me of God's creative power, how he gives life to everything, and how his Holy Spirit works in our life. Thank you. So, well, I kind of got the same concept. It's looking up to God, you know, and him sending these special blessings to us. And it just reminded me of peace and comfort that he sends us every day. 
So it's kind of the perspective of this one, the looking up. Thank you. All right. The next one is the bluebird on the lilac. Anybody want to share? Um, I like birds. I, I like bird photography. It's very hard to get birds in a nice background, good branch, good pose where you can see the feathers and all that. Uh, and also from all the pictures, I mean, they're all beautiful, but this one has a, a live element to it beyond just the flowers are alive, you know, the, the water is flowing and so forth, but the bird is just there for a split second and it's gone. You know, it's just a very small time where you can see that picture before it's gone. So it attracted me. I think also it really shows a lot about God's love too. The bird's always singing. He's never unhappy. At least I don't hear him unhappy. <laughs> and they don't worry about where they're be, how they're being fed, how they're being taken care of. And so I think it's a beautiful um, lesson of what we should be. Anybody else? Okay, thank you. All right, nobody chose the plumeria. This is actually my favorite island flower. It's so beautiful and it smells Gorgeous, but nobody chose it. So sad. And the last group is the mountains. Anybody want to share the lake? Okay. I, I grew up in the West, and I love the mountains. And uh, that's a lake in Montana, Glacier National Park. I've been there. Love it. <laughs> the little island that would be yeah. neat to camp on. <laughs> no, it would be too hard to get to. Yeah, <laughs> But it would be nice. <laughs> Anybody else want to share? I chose this picture because of the magnificent color and the nature. I mean, this is a very unusual color. I mean, you only can find it at the sunset or so. And I think this is the best reflection of God to me. I mean, everything is great, but this is greater than great because, you know, the mountains and uh, the sunset is just, uh, it shows how amazing God is. Thank you. Amen. Anybody else? All right, well, thank you all for sharing your perspectives, and you can have a seat. Well, um, while you're going to your seats, one thing I want you to take note of is two things. One, the reasons why you picked the pictures was either because of a personal memory, a personal direct experience or connection with that, an emotional bond, which is what we want to create because we want them to care about the environment. We want them to care about each other. So nature just naturally makes you get a little bit of nostalgia, right? It's just kind of almost impossible not to. And another thing that you couldn't help but do was relate it to God, right? That was also why you were drawn to that picture. And so I just wanted to share something, and I'll teach you a little bit more about this on Thursday and Friday, is the reason why I love the waterfall is because there's that verse in the Bible that says that if anyone thirsts after me, then I will give him something to drink, right? I'm loosely quoting it. But when I go to a waterfall and I sit there, I'm like, Jesus doesn't want me to be like, just a drip. Oh, I just want you to get to know me a little bit. Oh, I just want you to know something about me, just a tiny bit. No, he's like a waterfall. I want you to know me so well. Because even if you go to a little waterfall, there's a fair amount of water going over, right? So every time I go to a waterfall, I just can't help to turn my Bible to that, for, that verse and just say, the Lord wants me to know him. Know him. Like a waterfall pours over. If I sit under that waterfall, that's how God wants me to be intimate with him and know him. I think it's neat that um, everybody sees beauty in different settings. Some of us may go to a desert and think it's barren and boring, but another person may have a beautiful experience there and have memories of a family vacation, and, and every time they go to a desert, it's beautiful. 
Um, some people may go to a beach and they think it's hot and they're salty and sandy and they hate it. And other people, it's their favorite place to be. They get, a, they get to relax and enjoy the sound of the waves. And um, we all find beauty in different things in nature. And I think that's really neat that God has provided such a wide variety of settings that um, can touch different people in different ways. So I have um, brought some art materials that we can create beauty and you can either think of something from nature that um, inspires you that you think is beautiful there are some items on the table I did bring um, you can choose one of the pictures on the wall I have a bunch more pictures um, so I'm going to give you um, some time to uh, make a work of art God has given you creative abilities some of you may not think that uh, but we all have creativity in different ways it's not all in art um, if you'd rather look at something and write about it, um, you can describe it with words. Um, you can draw it, sketch it, um, or paint it, or color it, however you want um, to do that. I, I enjoy this activity with my students because we can go outside. Um, we, we're blessed in Holland to be surrounded by nature. We have woods all around us. We have a little park. We have a stream. So I try to take my students out, and we'll just... I'll have them separate from each other so they don't get silly and crazy. Um, and they can kind of focus on something that they think is beautiful and either write about it um, in their journal or draw it or paint it. So we're going to take a little time to do that. Um, the distributing of materials will be a little tricky. Um, raise your hand if you're interested in just drawing an item or writing about it. Okay, this is the drawing paper and the writing. Raise your hand if you'd like to try painting um, something. Like watercolor paint is what I have. <laughs> um, one thing I want you guys to be thinking about while you're doing this is, is thinking of other places in your curriculum where you could include this. So in their science journals, when they're going out and taking their observational data, they could be drawing pictures next to it. Um, you can incorporate art into a lot of things um, in your curriculum, whether it be language arts, where they're having them write stories and then they're drawing pictures. Um, also, once they draw it, they're having to look at the details. Um, another thing that I've had my students start doing um, is drawing pictures. Every time we have to learn a memory verse, they have to draw a picture of that memory verse. So drawing pictures is extremely helpful to help them actually picture what that verse is talking about. Um, so you could use drawing in your science or your social studies or your language arts anytime because they're having to then put themselves in that situation in social studies or history or they're trying to understand more about all the different um, pieces and things that make up different things in science. There are some secret artists in this room. <laughs> all right, would anybody like to share what they wrote? Do I have any brave souls who want to share what they wrote or part of what they wrote? A paragraph out of what they wrote? I'll preface by saying we live at 20 acres in the middle of the woods. Um, and I just uh, wrote about how pretty it is year-round there. It's, my favorite thing about where I live is in the springtime watching to see what trees will bud first, then how long it takes between first bud of the tree, first tree and first bud of the last tree. Sometimes it seems to take forever and sometimes it's really short. Um, and then all of a sudden, almost overnight, the trees go to full leaves, and all at once they're green. They're beautiful and green, and the canopy almost seems protective. You keep going your stuff. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. 
Anybody else want to share what they wrote? Well, I wrote about the bird's nest that I'm sitting right by here. And, and I just tried to describe it the best I could. The bird's nest is the bird's home and needs to be protected so we don't destroy the bird's home. The new mother bird lays eggs in the nest and then sits on the eggs to keep them warm so they will hatch eventually. Robin's eggs are light blue and that is why we have the saying Robin's egg blue. Some birds lay spotted eggs in other various colors. The birds build their nests so this means they are carpenters to a certain degree. They use twigs and mud to build their nests. There is a depression down in the nest to hold the eggs and keep them safe. Our Father in Heaven guides the birds to build the nest properly. Our Father loves all the animals and guides all of them like he guides us. We can pray and ask our Father to stay by our side and guide us. He is always there for us and protects us as we go about our errands and at times I have avoided accidents because of my Heavenly Father protecting me. Thank you very much. I have an interesting story to add to that. An interesting story to add. All right. Please. My um, son-in-law had a massive stroke, and so he's kind of homebound. And the um, robins have built a nest outside his window right where he can see it. Aww. So he's watched them hatch and fly away. Aww. Isn't that something that God provided that for, for him? And yep. he, he's only like maybe 57 years old. Mm. You know? But it offers him hope. To watch that new life begin. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then at my granddaughter's, a, a bluebird, I think it's blue jays, um, built a nest. And so she's been watching those, you know. And so it's just awesome what God does. Yeah, it is awesome. Amen. I will. This intrigues me. <laughs> And I know that there are different names for the larger shells and the small shells, but I love shells from childhood. And I went to Cozumel and I picked up lots of shells. And I wrote something about this, because God is very humorous, too. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of my childhood and the trip to Cozumel. This is the spider conch. Cozumel, and I fell in love with God but all the things that I saw there that my childhood, my eyes had never seen before, except I've always dreamt about traveling someplace and never thought I'd ever get there. And uh, I, I loved the beach and I collected a lot of these shells. And would you believe I also collected samples? Because I've sat on the beach at Cosmo. <laughs> it's not just sand, it is hearts and stones. <laughs> and I got to visit the doctor on the, on the ship, and I love hearing the sound of this, and the larger one, because it sounds like the ocean, mm -hmm. and like the waterfall, I hear God speaking. Yeah. It's sometimes louder, sometimes softer, mm -hmm. and, uh, and how amazing that it is to me that God put the exact right colors to all of his creation. And, it not only appears to me that we uh, and these shells and the animals in the ocean did not just exist or revive. Amen to that. And how he, I guess the word is intricately, put the colors together. Now I compared this to that one, and 
Beth is as beautiful to, to me as this, but I love the pinks on, on the bottom of the shelf. So, anyway, he does an amazing job putting this together. And not only that, the animals as well. Very good. Nature as well. Excellent. Thank you. What did we talk about the first day about how taking our kids outside just naturally makes them realize that there's something bigger than they are? Um, so here's a couple other ideas that I have. It's just a couple uh, with language arts. I have been asked to move to Daystar Adventist Academy in Utah, and I'm going to be teaching English to high school students. So this is a totally new ball game for me. And one of the ideas I have so far, I was reading Christ's object lessons from my devotions, and I just started getting lots of English teaching ideas just from reading that book. And so one idea that I have so far is simply writing an Ellen White quote, um, a simple one, one sentence one, on the board. And when they come in, they have to journal about that quote for 10 minutes. And what I would really like them to do is equate that quote somehow to something in nature. What in nature de demonstrates that principle? So I would love to take them outside and have their 15-minute journaling outside. So there's just a simple idea is take them outside and the start of your English class and have them journal for 15 minutes. And you can make it longer if you want them to draw something with their journal entry. Um, another idea that I have is you go outside and you have them reconstruct something from their childhood memory only using natural materials. So using sticks and leaves and rocks, have them make something from their childhood memory. So when I did this activity, I made my farm. I had leaves going with, for the different fields. I had the creek in the back with pebbles. And I, and I made my farm. I reconstructed it using natural materials. And then we were asked to write a memoir as if we were reliving that childhood experience. So we'd write a short story staring at that little world that we just reconstructed using nature. Um, another idea that I have for you is a really awesome one, I think, is my favorite, but it, it takes two things, it takes history or social studies and puts it with language arts. So you, have, you take them into a historical site. When I was in Tennessee, we did this. We went to um, an Indian um, historical site and we walked around, we read the plaques, we read all the information. For you guys, you could set it up by, by reading a book, studying that event. You could take them to a lighthouse. There's some really awesome historical events that's happened at lighthouses, battlegrounds, mansions. Michigan has history, too. Um, have them research what took on in that place and then take them to that place and have them walk around as if they were there during that time period and then have them write a historical novel, novel using as if they were there experiencing that story. But in order to write a good one, they'd have to do a fair amount of research, right, to know what historical characters were experiencing during that time, what exactly was going on. Um, but actually having them walk around will make them feel like they're reliving that moment. Have you been to Greenfield Village? I love that place. Greenfield Village is an awesome way to expose them to all sorts of historical characters because they have Thomas Edison's laboratory there. They have World War and Orville Wright's um, bicycle shop there. They have all these awesome, I think it's so awesome. Henry Ford was probably the one who really flipped the, completely the way we do things and brought so much innovation into our world, but he was the one who said we need to preserve. And he was the one who bought in all these houses to preserve history. 
So it reminds me of that Ellen White quote, we have nothing to fear except that we forget the past and the way that the Lord has led us in the past. So studying histor history is a very important thing to do. Another thing you could do is take them to the Adventist historical village. Study um, some of the early pioneers. Have them walk around. Have them um, go on the tours, read all the plaques, and then write as if they were a child of an early Adventist pioneer. What would that have been like? Um, what would they have felt? What would they have seen? What was going on in history? Because there were some big historical events going on at the start of our church. Um, so there's just a couple of ideas that you could do to include language arts. Um, what I want you to do now in the last couple of minutes that we have left is you can finish up your art and also maybe get in groups of four and think of ideas together that, because you guys come up with really good ideas if you get your wheel starting to turn. So think about how you could incorporate language arts into nature. How could you enhance a grammar lesson? How could you um, help them write short essays or research papers or um, poetry? Poetry would really occur naturally probably doing it outdoors. Um, so you have about, I'll give you five minutes <laughs> to brainstorm. So just sit across from your table and see if you can come up with any other ideas. All right, if I could get your attention, I hear some really good ideas going around. And I think some ideas are really still going around. So, what group would like to share some ideas? Because I hear some really good ones, yes. I'd like to share what, what I shared with my group here. Um, since we're at camp meeting, I was thinking of, I'm up on H loop, and right off of H loop is the chapel in the woods. And somebody could just, even an adult or a kid could go and sit in the chapel in the woods and see what kind of animals go by or mm -hmm. study the trees or whatever they want to look at and just write about that. Yeah, sit spots. We've been talking about that. Just yeah. having a, a signed sit spot. Well, something she suggested, which I really thought was a great thing, was learning about nouns and verbs and all that. Just go outside and identify all the nouns, identify all the verbs that you see happening. That was a really good one. Yeah. yeah, actually seeing it happening. So that B is flying or buzzing, and that would be a verb. Excellent, yeah. Direct experience is how they learn things. Who could have thought they have a grammar lesson with direct experience? <laughs> Anybody else? When you want to teach, you want the elements of literature for them to understand the protagonist, the antagonist. And nature is a good way to, to find those first as you're going out. Who's helping nature? Who's working against nature? And let them decide who is the good, who's the bad. And then they can come in and start writing about it before you. And that way you're introducing the elements of um, writing, but yet you're not telling them, they're fine, or even if you're telling them, they're going out and searching it so they can see what it is and how it's working together and how it's not working together. And we did the same thing when they were talking about nouns. I had little kids, well I had all grades, but anyway, the little ones, we'd go out and get all the nouns, the adverbs, and they had to find their adjectives, and then we'd bring them back in the classroom. They had drawings, and then we cut those up where they had to make sentences first with those nouns, adjectives, but just the pictures they created. And then once they had the pictures created, then from there where they had, I always did a concrete, and then a transition where they had to take those concretes and write a sentence to go with it. And then we took out all the pictures. But I work with right brain kids, too, so that's part of what I do. And then at the end, they just had to write 
their abstract. So that way it kind of gave them a visual first of where we were going, and then they could do it. And it took away a lot of that confusion as to what things were or not. And you can do it with all elements of literature mm -hmm. and anything that you do. Anyone else? One thing I was saying is you could do a, like a newspaper article of some kind of thing that's happening, the buds are opening or the birds hatched or some type of thing. They could write a little nature newspaper. Yeah, no, it's very good. Another idea, they could interview. Interview a bee. Interview a flower. Interview a tree. So, Mr. Tree, what's it like to stand here for 50 years? What have you observed? What's been going around? You know, you could interview something in nature. So, literally, if you think of all the different types of writing, you could take any of those types of writing and take them outside. We were just talking about how, like, a pine cone, if you ask a kid to describe it, you might get two, two or three sentences at the most to describe this. But then if you help them break down that there's, there's so many different topics about a pine cone, you know, the size, you can talk about the shape, you can talk about the texture, you can talk about, you know, what the point of a pine cone is, where a pine cone comes from, what happens to the pine cone as it breaks down. All of these different observations just from one pine cone, you can actually flesh that out into more than just two sentences, but you can you know, get several paragraphs off of just one object if you help them look beyond just, you know, it has spikes, mm -hmm. that you can, you know, have more topics related to that. Another one I was thinking too is you could do life as. So life as a pine cone. Have you ever, I don't remember, as a kid we were read for a story time about a dog, and it was this entire dog's life on the farm, so what it was like to be from that, like, oh, now my pet, and he always called the owner his pet. Now my pet is coming to feed me. Now my, it was so fun. And, and, and I remember as a kid thinking that it, what it would be like to be a dog, and I was really connecting, and it was really fun. So why not life as a pine cone? Uh, you know, I started up in the tree, and then I fell, 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 fell. And then, what, you know, then I rolled around, and I rolled into a bear. And you could just totally let your imagination go wild. And life as a, as a flower. Night's coming, oh, it's cold, and then, then I come back out, and what, would it, what do I see? What do I experience? Mm -hmm. All right. Time is up, but do we have any other ideas that wanted to be shared really quickly? We did for our adventures. Um, we had at the Oriental Trading Company, they, they have little um, plastic treasure boxes, and so we had them go out and collect something in nature, some treasure, and then, actually, for the sermon part of our closing of investiture, um, they actually got in with some of the adults in the congregation, and they had to come up with just a simple um, spiritual application of their treasure that they found. So they got to describe their object, but then the, the adults were able to mentor them with a, a spiritual application for it, too. Yeah, I would like to challenge you in everything that you teach to have to encourage your students and your children to look for the spiritual application. Because when you start learning to put those glasses on, you really honestly can see all the ways that God wants to teach us about him. Satan's favorite lie is that God is too hard to understand. God doesn't make sense. And if we start giving them these glasses that when, that they just realize they can walk around and they can see examples of God's love towards them, of God's patience, of God's peace, of God's joy. You know, there's just so many things out there. And so in all things that you do, encourage them to write a spiritual application. Encourage them to write a Bible verse. Encourage them to think of a story. Even if it's just every time they see a stone, they write down David and Goliath. Just so they're just getting that pattern in their minds of things can go back to God. I can see God um, and his love written on all things. 
All right, let's have prayer and then you'll be dismissed. Dear Lord, I praise you so much for this day. I thank you um, for the lessons that you have for us. I thank you for the gift of art, for the gift of writing. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Miss Harley and her willingness to come down and share with us. And I thank you for all the participants here. Lord, continue to bless us and continue to inspire us to draw our, um, our students, our children, and um, ourselves closer to you. And we love you in your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.